All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50, I got 50 for days. Brought to you by Finning Canada, the parts you need when you want them. Welcome, everybody, to another arousing edition of Real Life Podcast. We've got a jam-packed action show for you this evening. My name is Jason Stradwick. You can find me every night on TSN 1260. I co-host the Jason Greger Show. Across from me in the big chair tonight is Wanya Gretz. He is the founder of the uh, big organization known as Oilers Nation. But tonight, it's just you and I, my friend. Jason Greger is out. We'll tell you later where Jason Greger is. And Kidney Stone. Well, yeah, we'll talk. We don't want to release it. He's pretty upset about it. something stone. Yeah, he's been taking the week off trying to figure it out. But right now, I'd like to welcome in the big guest of the show. We're really fired up. A good friend, longtime NHLer, Michael Commodore. Mike, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Well, it's a lot of fun now. Uh, Kami, we had your uh, buddy Josh Green on last week, and you were quite vocal on t- the Twitter, I believe the kids call it, suggesting that maybe there's some inaccuracy reporting about what actually happened between Josh Green and a certain mascot for A&W in Redger. Can you maybe, you know, really tell us the truth? Because Josh Green, I don't think it was forthcoming with the details. Yeah, I mean, Josh was pretty close. I actually remember this very, very vividly because – they're actually the cell phones, like videos on cell phones had just come out. And I actually video, I wish I had it. I had it on my computer for years. I got it to Noodles a few years ago, but I don't know where it is anymore. But I remember this vividly because this is probably, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So Josh was mostly right, but he got it wrong. Uh, we pulled into Gasoline Alley. We weren't on, this is just a minor detail, but the details matter. We weren't going from <laughs> Edmonton to Calgary. We were, we were on our way back up from Calgary to Edmonton. 
so we had went out in Calgary, and then we were on our way back up to Edmonton, and we pulled into A&W, and nobody was in costume anymore. Like, the costumes were over, and we pulled in, and I was sitting, like, right either in front or behind Josh, and he had the Hulk outfit, like, underneath the bus or up top. I forget where it was, in his bag, and... um he brought it up. He said, "You know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go tackle that A and W bear." <laughs> I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna go tackle the A and W bear." So I'm like, "Yeah, great. Let me videotape this." So he put all of his stuff on. Like some of the guys were in getting some food. Some of the guys were watching around the bus. And then anyway, so Greener put his stuff on, and he was walking down like the little road right in front of A and W. And he was probably like 20 yards out, and the A&W bear like turned around. I was videotaping the whole thing. I was laughing the whole time. Like I couldn't stop laughing. And <laughs> when the A&W bear turned and looked at him, then he like, because A&W bear is like waving at the cars, right? Like advertising or whatever. So Greener starts like waving at the cars too. So then the A&W bear turned it. Uh, well, it ended up being her head. Turned her head, and then Greener broke into a full sprint and like an open field tackle from kind of the behind sash uh, slash side, and totally ran her over. Uh, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I didn't know the head popped off. I couldn't really see from my angle, but I know she was kind of she was pretty rattled at first. And I remember kind of the thing that really calmed it down. Obviously, Greener felt bad and. I mean, it was fine, but I remember Jerome had to, like, sign a couple hats and stuff and gave them out in the restaurant to her and, like, a few of the employees, and we were all good. They were all happy, and we got the hell out of there. It explains that eBay yeah, listing was, we saw great. for a Jerome Aginla uh, autographed a mascot suit. Now I know where that came from. That makes sense. <laughs> there it is. That's exactly. It's from Gasoline Alley Red Deer. <laughs> So, yeah, he was telling the story a lot differently. It was like, oh, well, one time Commodore and I were going on the bus. And Commodore had this crazy <laughs> idea, and Commodore made us go to A&W and blah, 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 blah. So this is all Josh Green's doing is what you're telling us. Yeah, this is, yeah, Green, yeah, I listened to it. I and mean, Greener was, he was kind of playing it like it was just kind of last second. And uh, I recall differently. I remember being a lot more planned and plotted than that. Started Greener thinking about it in Airdrie, hey? And he's go. like, only an hour and a half till Red Deer. like, kick that bear's ass no matter what gender's in it. <laughs> Uh, it was hilarious. I, I, I'll never forget that. I, I will remember that for the rest of my life. It was one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. So you're a guy, I think, you know, in, the, in my very limited knowledge of Earth, but you're a guy that I look to going through your career as being a guy who was kind of a little bit out there. You had your own style. You had your own thing. You seemed quite secure in yourself. I wonder what your thoughts are about the NHL and whether or not players are in, encouraged to be individuals or whatnot. I mean, myself as a lifelong hockey fan, I'm used to getting a steady diet from players of, you know, canned quotes, and you can pretty much predict what's going to happen at all times. And then there's some guys that don't necessarily fit inside the box. And I wonder what you think about that. Is it, is it something, does it bug you when you're playing in the NHL? Are you being told kind of to lean off the personality gas a little bit, or, or what was happening? I think it's more, I, I mean, I don't ever recall, like, anybody ever coming up to me or, like, to anybody really or having any kind of meeting and being like, hey, you know, this is how you need to be. And I don't remember that. I think it's just more kind of, I mean, just off the top of my head, just more kind of how most guys that are brought up playing hockey are, I guess. Yeah. Just kind of, you don't want to, it's not about rocking the boat, but just kind of, I want to make sure it's, you know, I, I don't want to say anything that's want to kind of stay with the, the company line sort of and, and keep, just don't want to make a mistake publicly, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, if it does bother me a little bit. I think, you know, the guys that get interviewed and the guys that are entertaining are the guys that that are honest and, and just, and I'm not saying you have to be, you have to be a clown about it or anything like that, but you know, if, if you have something funny to say, funny, or, you know, say it, um, you know, obviously you want to be respectful and not be an idiot, but 
Um, you know, I, I think the guys were the, if you can let your personality come through and I honestly, I think the biggest thing is honesty within reason, be honest. Mm-hmm. And I think that that shines through more than anything else. I was just always hoping that you'd become Commodore 64 and that I could buy one of your jerseys <laughs> and be like, it's both retro video game and hockey. Yay. Yay. But they didn't uh, let you, I, did I they? totally messed that up. I, I should have done that in Detroit. <laughs> Looking back, that was a huge mistake. I, I was going to do it in Detroit. The merchandising. Like, Think of that. You'd like, be moving well, bootleg Red Wings jerseys till you're 100. Oh, and Commodore cool. 64, they just came out with a computer. I know not too many people know this, but they started tweeting me on Twitter. They actually came out with a computer, like a new Commodore like mini computer. So they wanted me to do it. And I oh, this is your Ciroc vodka. Right- your Puff Daddy, this is your Ciroc. You get in there, you say, nobody lives a Commodore lifestyle like I do. Hit me with a 50% royalty and we're doing this. I know, I messed up. I, at the last second, I was like, you know what? This I know this is my last opportunity and I need to make sure I come across. You know, it doesn't matter what number you wear. You can still take things seriously. But I was like, it's Detroit. I don't want to come across as a party favor. Sure. I'm like, I'm already not sure about Babcock, but I want to get off on the right foot here. Whereas it turned out, I mean, I could have went out there with any number. I could have went out there without my gear on, and it wouldn't have mattered. I was, I was on a one-way road out of the league that year. Where's your shin pads? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> All right, Kamu, you brought it up. we got to talk about Babcock. I mean, listen, we've all had run-ins with coaches. Um, but sometimes sure. it is rare, though, for it to extend to, you know, past one team. You know, it's not often you go, if you have a bad experience with the coach, you also can go back and see that coach again. Maybe take us through a bit of this this Babcock. Uh, you and him don't seem to be on the uh, Valentine's Day uh, card list exchange anymore. I mean, I'll be totally honest, and I don't say this about very many people. I get along with just about everybody. There's probably two or three people that I can name off the top of my head uh, that I hate that I legitimately hate, and Mike Babcock is one of them. Uh, you know what? I mean, not to get into the whole thing, but I did. I had a run-in with him my third year and, you know, kind of got punted out. It didn't work out in training camp, which is fine. That that happens all the time. Like, I realize it. And before I even get started, I realize that 99.9% of guys don't get to finish. You know, we're not all Nick Lidstrom. You're not going to get to finish <laughs> when you want, on whenever you want, and everybody cheer you out of the stadium for 99.9% of us. It doesn't end how we want, and all of a sudden you're gone. I totally get that. I understand that. I know how that works. I'm totally fine with it. But with Babs, he buried me the first time, my third-year pro. Fine. All right. But the big thing there was then, I mean, I showed up in shape. I was fighting. I was doing as best I could. And he went into the paper. He sent me down. And then to make it, uh, for whatever reason, he went in. And I, I never met Mike Babcock before in my life. I never had a run-in <laughs> with him. I didn't even know who he was. He goes into the paper and says that I don't care, that I don't work out, that I showed up out of shape. So that was the first thing. I was reading this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I was in great (laughs) shape. I always showed up in shape because if I didn't show up in shape, I didn't have enough talent to just show up and wing it. Like I wouldn't have made an East Coast League team. So I had to, like, be in shape. (laughs) Otherwise, it would have been a joke. So that was the first time. So I'm gone. Calgary trades for me at the deadline that year. Careers go on. And then – you know, we, I run and he's in Detroit. I'm in Columbus. I carved him. Not bad, but I carved him a little bit in the papers. My first year in Columbus when Detroit came to town, the writers knew something was going on. So they were kind of egging me on. And finally, <laughs> I just had enough and I kind of snapped a little bit. <laughs> and so that got in the paper. And the veterans in Detroit hate that guy, too, back then and now. But back then, so they cut the article out, put it up on the wall and whatever. And I found out about that after I thought it was great. 
But the, my big problem was is that when I got bought out from Columbus, one of the other guys on the list is Scott Arneal. That guy's a real scumbag too. But uh, <laughs> when I got bought out in Columbus, I knew I had like one more chance. I knew that if I was lucky, I knew I was going to have maybe one more chance. Maybe. If I get one more opportunity, I had to make the most of it or I was done. You're lucky if you get one more chance after you get bought out. I don't care what the reason is, especially when you're somebody like me who, I mean, I'm not scoring goals. So it's like, it's not like I'm irreplaceable. So I realized that. And my big problem was within like five minutes into free agency, I thought I was going to be waiting until August. So this is free agency just starts July 1st. Detroit calls me. And well, my agent calls me and he's like, Hey, Detroit called. And my first reaction was like, I'm not going there. I had a different agent now than earlier in my career and blah, blah, blah. He's I'm like, look, I'm like, just tell him I, I don't want to go to Detroit. I'm like, there's only one reason I'm going in there. Babcock wants to screw me. <laughs> and he's like, well, I knew it right away. I knew it. Always listen to your gut instinct. It was a huge mistake. My, so my agent's like, well, you have 15 minutes. Ken, Ken Holland, the GM, said you have 15 minutes to make up your mind. Otherwise, the offer's off the table. Jeez. So now I'm sitting here. It's like five minutes into free agency. Nobody else in the league has even considered calling me. Like, I'm not even – I mean, this isn't – I'm not a hot commodity. Like, nobody's even considered signing me yet. There's plenty of different options out there. And so I call, I'm like, all right, I'll call you back. So I call Ken. I know Ken from before from a golf tournament. And I'm like, look, I'm like 15 minutes of kidding me. He's like, well, I need to know. We need a right-handed shot. I'm like, look, Ken, I'm like, you know what I think of Babcock? We had beers ripped on him. I'm like, this is, you know, does he want me on the team? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm like, give me his phone number. So I called him. And this is my big issue with him. I called him. (laughs) Now 10 minutes in, I got like five minutes left before this contract's gone. And I called him. And I, I, I was straight up honest with him. I said, Babs, do you want me on your hockey team or not? If you don't want me on the team. It's not a big deal. Just please be honest with me. Let me know if it's Ken that wants me and you don't want me. Please let me know. I'll go somewhere else. Not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I want you. I want you. Nick likes playing with a right-handed shot. We need a physical presence. I'm like, Babs, no BS. Are you getting me on the team so you can end my career? Are you looking to bury me here? Are you, are you mad because of what I said in, the, in, in Columbus? No, no, no. I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I want you on the team. So I hang up the phone, call my agent back, and I'm like, he's lying. I know he's going to bury me. And my agent's like, well, you know, if he's going to do what he says, like you get to play with Nick. So then I'm like, yeah, I play with Nick. I'm like, you know, all I got to do is go D to D to Nick all year. And that's at least 30 points. I am rolling my career back on track. So I ended up saying, yeah. And I was, I was out of it. I was screwed from the get go there. And that was the end of my career. When that happened, did you decide, like, did you not want to play anymore at all? Because I know you did take off and go and play, like, a little bit in the uh, the minors. Didn't you end up going to Russia? I want to get into Russia in a minute. But at that point, did you think, okay, I'm done, I'm out? No, I, I mean, I knew, to be totally honest, so I, I was there, barely played. The only reason why I played is Ken Forst. I played basically one month. I played sure. 17 games, so a month and a little bit in January, and then scratched again for another 10 games for no reason. And it's not like Detroit was just killing it that year either. I mean, we were like in and out of a playoff spot. And Ken traded me to Tampa. So in Tampa, I was there with Eiserman, who I went to Team Canada with the Worlds with. And I knew this. I'm like, well, I better make this work. And, and he was honest. He traded for two other young defensemen. He's like, Mike, he's like, as long as we're a realistic shot of making the playoffs, you're playing. He goes, if we fall out of it, you're not sure. going to play. I got to see what these young guys have. And I'm like, Steve, that's totally fine. I get it. I was just happy that somebody was honest with me. So I ended up playing the first like nine or 10 games or something like that. We fell out of it and that was it. So I knew at the end, I'm like, well, I knew probably at the end of that year, I knew it was probably done. My only chance was, so the lockout, that half year lockout started. 
once that half year lockout started, I was skating in Tampa, and once it started, I knew I, I'm like I can't sit around. I mean, I can sit around if that's the end for me. I'm like I, I need to go play. So I signed like a PTO in in Hamilton because I'm like I need to be I need to play. A lot of guys are on contracts that aren't going to play, whether it's insurance wise or it's not smart for them to play or whatever. Once the, I knew I needed to play, so my my idea was I was hoping for on a total selfish level, and this probably sounds bad to a fan, but. For me, I needed that lockout. Once it started, I wanted that lockout to go the whole year. I needed the whole year to be buried. That way, guys' contracts are running out. Some guys won't be out, like aren't playing, so it's a total year off. Meanwhile, I have a place to play, and it ended up being worst case scenario. The lockout went half a year, and then it ended, and then so guys' contracts are still valid. And at that point, I knew it was over. That was it. You know, it's interesting. We're joined by Mike Commodore, uh, 500 NHL Games, uh, very, very popular guy uh, with the alumni. Uh, Mike, you know, you talk a little bit about um, the honesty. And I can tell, you know, from me, I know when uh, I was with Vancouver after my last year there, uh, you know, my, uh, Brian Burke came to me, the GM at the time, said, Strutty, we're not, we don't want to pay you what, what you get. We're not going to qualify you. But I'll bring you back at a, at a lower rate. If you want, you have two weeks, two weeks to come back. If not, I'm going to move on to plan B. This was going to free agency. You know what? It was one of the few times in my career where it was completely honest. He wanted me on the team. He just didn't want to pay me that. And you know what? I, I wasn't even upset. Yeah. I was like, thank you. Thanks for the honesty. I mean, yeah. why, why, you know, you've played with a lot of guys. We, we hear it so often where, well, I don't know what they're thinking. They're not telling me what they're thinking. Or they tell my agent one thing, tell me another. Why, why do you think there's so much like cloak and dagger? Why not just roll it out there and tell what, what the truth is? I, that is a great question, and I, I wish I, I knew the answer. You're, you're totally right. There's very few times in my career where I thought I actually knew what was going on. A lot of the times, like, I remember in Jersey, in New Jersey, my first couple years, and now, granted, I was a rookie in my second year. I, I get that, but, like, I never knew what was going on as far as, and we were, you know, we changed coaches, and then I didn't, nobody talks to you, and, and you don't know I had no idea what was going on. I right. didn't know if I was doing the right things, the wrong things, what I needed. Nobody talked to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if maybe, I mean, maybe some guys, they aren't confrontational and they they just don't want to tell you, but then it makes it worse if you're, you know, if, you, if you're just, like I said, I, like you just said, I mean, if, if you're just, honesty is the best policy. If you just come out and tell me what you think, I'm going to take that way better than if you either lie to me or you just kind of don't say anything, and I'm left guessing, and then I'm kind of hung out to dry. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it's like that nine times out of ten. Yeah, it just it blows me out. You know, even something as far as, uh, you know, let's say you're not playing, whether you're a young guy or older guy, you're just not playing. Well, you know, we, we, we want you to work on this or that, but they're just throwing something at you. Like, I don't think it's actually the fact. Just say, we want a different look in our lineup. You know, I give Tom Rennie in New York, he was very honest with me. If we were playing a big, heavy team, that there'd be physical, Strutty, you're in tonight. If we were playing a different look, he'd say to me, Strutty, yeah. you know what? We, we don't want your style in the game tonight. I'd be like, thanks for being honest. Like, I, honestly, you're not even hurting yeah. my feelings. I know I know what kind of player I am. You know, it's not like it's a, yeah. a real shock here, Kami. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I totally agree. Like I said, that was the one, like, when I was in, in Tampa there, like, yeah, I mean, was I was it a great thing for my career that the right. last 10 games of the season? I mean, I ended up playing Guy Boucher. You know, some guys say certain things about him, and I have nothing against the guy, and Guy Boucher, I played nine games, and then I was scratched for ten. And then uh, Guy Boucher gave me the option. He, he goes, my, you know, and he came up two once. He goes, Mike, you're not, you're not going to play. And I go, you know what? I totally understand. I talked to Steve. I appreciate you coming up and telling me that. No problem. I'll obviously I'll be here. I'll, I'll if you need me, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to work as hard as I can. Uh, no problems. 
And then he came up to me. It was one of the nicest things anybody's done in my career. He came up to me with two games to go, and he was like, you know what? He goes, if this is the end, I don't want this to be like this This for you. You've been around long enough. He goes, we got a game in Toronto, and we have a game in Winnipeg. Those are our last two games of the year. He goes, I can't play you in both, but I want to play you in one. Which one would you like to play in? It's completely oh, wow. up to you. And Which was great. And So I was like, you know what? I'm like, gee, I'm like, I played a lot in Toronto. Uh, you know, I went, I went to the University of North Dakota. I've never played a game in Winnipeg, so if it's all the same, I, I'd like to play in Winnipeg. Wow. Like, no problem. And it was one of the nicest things anybody ever done for me. That's a great story. Like that, you know, a lot of coaches wouldn't do that. It's like, ah, roll this guy out. Who no. cares? Yeah, I wouldn't have even considered. Most coaches wouldn't have even said anything to me. It would have been, year over, beat it, see you later. <laughs> so after that, your final year, 2013-2014, because that's not your final games. Those are just your final NHL games. You swing by yeah. Vladivostok, just a quick 27-hour flight in an old uh, yeah. Aeroflot plane with braided seat belts and one working engine. Oh, please yeah. tell me, please tell me the Soviets weren't more li- or less of liars to you than North American coaches. What was the what was the room like over there? You know what? I actually, well, they, they couldn't lie to me because they couldn't speak English. So <laughs> I actually, that might have been the most. As, as far as coaches and stuff went, that might have been the best I ever had because no, no, nobody spoke English, so they never talked to me anyway. So I'm like, this is great. Do you no understand problem. what I'm saying? I literally uh, do not understand what you're saying. No. Yeah, it's nothing. I just sit in there. They could they'd yell and scream and yell at the Russians. I just sat there. I'm like, I don't know. Somebody will figure out something if I'm doing something wrong. And It was great. I didn't even have to pay attention. Was it a good experience? Uh, but honestly, it, it, was, it was good. It was fun. I, I had a really good time. Um, you know, it kind of happened – I played the Worlds in Russia in 07, and that's probably the only reason why I got to play for Team Canada because it was in Moscow, it was in Russia, and, and nobody wanted to go. So they just kept going down the list till my name popped up. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to play for Team Canada. This is, that'd be great. So I was kind of, I was humming I knew there was nothing NHL-wise going on. And uh, a different team in the KHL in Belarus, Minsk, they were like August 1st. They're like, yeah, we want Mike, we want Mike. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I did my research on Minsk, looked pretty good. The arena looked nice. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And for whatever reason, I know this isn't the right way to think at all. I had no, and I know there's a lot of like, you know, Sweden and Finland and Switzerland and all these. I know there's a lot of good leagues over there. For sure. I, I wouldn't really fit in in Switzerland, but I know there's a lot of good leagues over there. But for whatever reason, the, the only league that I was ever really interested in in playing other than the NHL and the American League uh, was the Russian League. I, I don't even know why. I had a good time the one time I was over in Russia, so maybe, maybe that was it. Um, so I was in the KHL. Minsk is like, yeah, we want you, we want you, we want you. Well, October 1st, now it's September 1st. Now it's the middle of September. Now I can't even, like, just show up and go to a camp, like, accept a trial, which I would have done, but I'm waiting for this contract. Now all of a sudden it's the end of September. Minsk, like, they won't call back. So I'm kind of just – I've skated all summer. I'm like, well, I'd like to play. So I ended up getting a contract. The assistant coach, uh, my first assistant coach in the National Hockey League, my first and second year, was Slava Fatisov. And Slava Fatisov, if you ever see him over and this guy is like God. I mean, it, it is unbelievable. Like he walks into a room and the, you can you can you can hear a pin drop. I mean, the, this guy is. I mean, people look up to this guy big time, and rightfully so. He's boys with Putin. I mean, I would love to see what Slava Fatisov's bottom line is these days in his bank account. <laughs> I mean, it could be uh, honestly twelve I mean, billion, be so no inside. problem. Oh. I am thinking he is loaded. But anyways, I end up getting his number, and I call Slava. Who knows where he was in Russia? I was sitting in Calgary, 
And he's like, oh, yeah, Misha, Michael in, in Russian. Misha, yeah, I always like you. I'm like, Slava, I'm like, give me a deal. I don't care. I'll play anywhere. I want to play. So I can, it's kind of a bad connection. And I kind of hear, yeah, I get your contract. And it's kind of the end of the conversation. The line goes dead. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> well, that went day, well. <laughs> next day, my agent, yeah, I was like, I think that went okay. <laughs> Uh, next, the next day, my agent had a contract offer from Vladivostok uh, in the KHL, which was an expansion team that year. Anyways, I just signed it, and then I'm like, I wonder where Vladivostok is. I didn't even know. <laughs> I just figured it was over by It's Moscow way over on the edge, right? Oh, yeah, it is. It's literally, I, I want to say it's 60 miles from North Korea. It's right on the Pacific Ocean. So I Google mapped it and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm like, you know what? I- I'm in. I, I told him I, I, I want to play. That's where I'm going to play. It's in the KHL. Good enough. I don't care. Uh, so I went over there and played. And it was a good time. I mean, it was, the hockey was good. I'd say it's a, it's a little bit more skilled than the American League. Um, it's a few steps definitely below. I, I would say the best team in the league in the KHL could probably give a it could give a decent NHL team a run for its money on an Olympic size ice. That's my opinion. I think that would probably be about right. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. I had a good time. I mean, it was the worst part of it for sure was was the travel. The travel out of Vladivostok was a joke. I mean, we had it was a there was twenty eight teams. It was a home and home. We so played fifty four games in the regular season. You played a home and so you had conferences and divisions, but it didn't really matter because you played a home and home with everybody in the league Jeez. and that was your season. Oh, it was terrible. So we'd play like four <laughs> games on the road, four at home, four games on the road, four at home. And every time we touched a plane, it was a minimum 10 hour flight. And you it also often had to touch the plane because they'd be like, can anybody get out and do the mechanical work on the plane? <laughs> <laughs> so that was you're the in- one thing when I went over there, that was the one thing I'm like, you know what? I don't care how bad the food is. I don't care how long the travel is. I don't care how bad I don't care how bad it is or whatever. However you want to word it, I'm like I am going to grind this out. I'm staying here. I'm not leaving. Uh, the only thing I was I'm like the only thing if I show up uh, to our first flight and the plane looks like the plane from Major League with tuck tape on the propeller, <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm out of here. That's the only thing. And so going into the first flight team flight, I was like, all right, please be okay. And it was fine. It was actually, I mean, that was obviously a catastrophe that happened. But in, in my experience there, it was, it was fine. It was good and no issues. So you're living in Vladivostok. You're, only, you, you, you're not there all the time because you've got 48-hour uh, road trip flights all the time. What is life like in Vladivostok when you're the top of the food chain? Are you going into clubs and there's like buckets of caviar <laughs> and giant magnums of frozen <laughs> vodka? And they're just like, Commodore, sit here. Like, what was it like? It was... I spent most of my, when I was at home, so, like, I was constantly jet-lagged, right? So, like, I'd be dead tired at 4 in the afternoon, wide awake at midnight. And so it was, like, it was definitely very different. I spent most of my days, like, wandering around trying to stay awake, wandering around just slamming coffee, just walking around, like, the city. The city was probably, I want to say it was probably, it was a good-sized city, like, six, seven 700,000. Uh, it was nice. Like, it was right, I mean, they were calling it, over there, they were calling it because it was right on the ocean. They, they just had the G8 summit the year before, so they built like a university and a like, couple of big bridges. And they were calling it like you know, I, I went along with it when I was there. They were calling it, yeah, is this just like San Francisco? This is the San Francisco of Russia. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure it is. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I've been to San Francisco, and I wasn't to that part of San Francisco. This ain't San Francisco. Do you but, have this? Do you uh, have this? Do you have this? No, no, no. This isn't the San Francisco. Yeah, but I just went with it. Uh, yeah, it was good. 
but yeah, as far as like going out at night, like yeah, there was, yeah, I mean those the bars don't shut down. These clubs they don't shut down. So yeah. if you wanted to go out and and get after it, which you know every once in a while we would. I mean there was it was do drink whatever you want for as long as you want um, and enjoy yourself. It was fun. It was it was different though. I mean it's that was the first time I've ever lived somewhere where. You know, it's not like I was going out to the club and killing it. I mean, nobody, I, I couldn't talk to anybody. I had like the little translator app on my phone and I'd be like kind of pointing at my phone and you know, I don't speak Russian or understand it. So it was pretty challenging that way, but it was fun. It was just, overall, I mean, it, it was a really good experience. I'm glad I did it. I mean, there were a couple of, were there long days? Yeah. I mean, were there some days where I was like, what am I doing here? Yeah, there were for sure were, but I'm glad I did it. Um, overall, I had a really good time. We made the playoffs, which was great. Um, for an expansion team, and especially with that travel. Uh, so, yeah, I would say overall the year was a was a success. It broadens your perspectives, right? Like if you spent in a lot of time in junior, a lot of time you know, playing pro hockey, you're probably limited to being in North America most of your life until that point. Getting into a foreign country is good for you, right? It opens up your eyes. You realize that we take a lot for granted at home that, you know, maybe all of a sudden the fact that there's a pothole on the QE2 isn't the worst thing in the world when you're in a Vladivostok highway and it just leads into a trail and it goes nowhere, right? No, definitely. It definitely puts things in perspective. I mean, with the outside life and just everyday life and hockey wise, like the actual games were, you know, it was the same thing. I mean, they're definitely good players, you know, but if you ever, you know, you, you get kind of, you get spoiled over here, especially in the NHL. I mean, you, you're flying private, you got five-star meals on the plane, you stay in five-star hotels all the time, whatever you want. I mean, life's good. Um, you know, and you get your superstitions and, you know, I only do things this way and I only do things that way and I need this and I need that. Well, when you're over there, it's, I'll tell you what, you just do whatever you can. And when it's time to go play, put your gear on and go play and shut up. That was, it was kind of refreshing to be honest. I mean, we get off the plane, we would fly from Vladivostok to let's say Prague. So we'd fly 10 hours to Moscow. Then we'd fly another three and a half or four to Prague get there and then the next day we're playing and it, you know we land, land at whatever time let's call it i don't know five in the afternoon you try and eat you try and sleep and then the next day you're playing and you are jet lagged and you just you, i mean i remember a few games where i'm, I'm be like out on the ice pucks about to drop and i'm like zoning out i'm like jesus so it was <laughs> it was interesting. It, it was it was a good experience for sure. Kami, you are the best. We could talk to you all night. Uh, we really appreciate you taking this time, and uh, good luck, and we'll see you uh, around the rinks, I'm sure, in the next little while. Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. See you later, Commodore 64. Uh, <laughs> I will see you later. <laughs> smooth. Fantastic stuff. Of course, that's our good friend, Mike Commodore. You can find him on Twitter. Very, very funny man. We are going to take a, a quick break here, and before we go to break, we have to make sure we mention our without our good friends from Finney. Uh, the right parts for your equipment, the parts you need when you want them, 1.4 million parts at your fingertips. I'm telling you, right. if if you can't find what you need from our good friends at Finney, you don't need it. No, you don't need it. You think you need it, but it turns out you need a completely different part, and they have that part. <laughs> I'll say quick break here. I'll be right back. It's late, and you just finished a full day of work. Your equipment is done for the day and tomorrow bright and early, you start all over again. You know what you need to keep it running smoothly, but there's not a break in the schedule to make that happen. With over 1.4 million cat parts at your fingertips on parts.cat.com, getting that part just became easier. Any device, anytime, anywhere. Get what you need, when you need it. Order today. 
parks.cat.com. The Real Life Podcast continues. It is uh, myself, Jason Strutter. You can hear me every evening on uh, TSN 1260 as a co-host on the Jason Greger Show. Of course, we've got Wanya Gretzky, founder of Oilers Nation. We just heard from Mike Commodore. Always great to hear from him. Of course, this doesn't happen without uh, our good friends from Finning. Thank you to Finning. And uh, 1.4 million parts at your fingertips, the parts you need when you want them, the right parts for your equipment. Can you imagine a 14-hour road trip from Vladivostok to Prague to play one game? No, I couldn't. It's absolutely crazy. It's got to absolutely affect the quality of play of everybody on the ice. It is it is a crazy. I think that's why they're shrinking. That league is shrinking a bit. Yeah. The quality, sometimes the funding has been difficult. Yeah. Uh, very, very difficult stuff. A um, couple of things I want to get to here. Um, just you and I. Jason yeah. Greger's not here. Just we we kind of tease it. Jason Greger, he told us not to say anything, but I can't help myself. Jason Greger uh, took the whole week off from work. Yeah. Uh, because he is passing a kidney stone. Terrible. So a lot of people, uh, you know, they don't like to share this, but we had to share with yeah. you. So we they, care. We care about him. So please, if you see him uh, around or yeah. tweet him, tweet him, uh, tweet him at Jason Greger, yeah. tweet him there, get on Facebook, find him there. Uh, just let him know that you're caring. You're worried about him, right? It's like a man baby, right? Like if you have a kid, people send you cards, they send you flowers. Right. If you pass a kidney stone, no one sends a card to you in little no. Rocky. No mm-hmm. one's like thrilled for you. Like, congratulations. You did it. Right. That's a lonely road. He, he, Stone Road. he deserves it. Now, we've yeah. had a lot of people letting us know that perhaps uh, lemon juice, uh, the acid breaks down the uh, kidney stone. Also, people are saying he should, uh, an MD, yeah. a doctor friend of mine said he should drink a lot of water. These are these are terrible home remedies. Don't we have lasers well, or like bots that can just bust the kidney stone up and he could be here today? I think at the end of the day, you just got to pop it out. Oh. Just like a Nerf gun. Just fire yeah. right out there. So we wish Jason Gregor luck. Yeah, we hope he's up. back next week. Well, we you don't never know. know, though. These things take time. Um, let's switch gears here a little bit. Switch and switch gears. Uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, it was announced, or not announced, but it came out Monday morning that he was driving around under the influence. Uh, DUI was in Jupiter, Florida. Yeah. Uh, about three in the morning, he was pulled over. Now, since that time, Tiger Woods has come out and said that it was uh, a blend of uh, meds he was on uh, that led to that. Um, so it, kind of a, 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 a scary situation. Luckily, they caught him before any damage could really be done. Uh, but I guess my question for you is, Wani, uh, this. I mean, he, he's 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 a great athlete, or was a great athlete. But now, you know, between um, the coming out with his wife, where he was uh, banging all those um, those those women outside yeah. of, of marriage, which happens, but I mean, he's a pretty whole high profile guy. Yeah. It all runs down. Uh, all the injuries, and now this uh, DUI for whatever, whether you, it's it's it was the meds or whatever it was, whatever the eye was, it was yeah. he was eye. He's in it. Yeah. He's into one. I mean, is you know. Does this tarnish his legacy? Well, I, I think it has to. Okay. Right? I mean, like, although the fall from grace was already underway, right? But I used to love Tiger Woods. Like, I don't know how you felt, but I remember when he went pro, and it, here's this guy who is breaking into a sport that isn't necessarily looking for guys looking like Tiger Woods to come into Excel. Absolutely. And he's fighting his way to the top. And I remember when he won the Masters, I think he was 19. And, and remember that Masters? And he just crushed the field. Right. And he was the prodigal son. Never in my wildest dreams or anybody's wildest dreams at that point would you think that he would end up where he is today. And, like, I felt really bad for him because when I found out that he cheated on his wife, I got super mad and I took down all my Tiger Woods paraphernalia that I had in my little Do you room. have a lot? I did, actually. I was collecting his <laughs> stuff. I have some really good Tiger Woods stuff that I collected on the way through. And really? Yeah, like Wheaties boxes that he'd signed and stuff like really? that. Really? Yeah, I bought them on eBay. But... Um, you know, I like to have heroes. I don't need to have associates that I like to play sport. I like to put people on a pedestal. And I think if you're willing to be 
banging the Perkins waitress and whatnot. There's a severe right. lack of respect for yourself and for your family, right? And then I don't know if you read that article about him. I, was it Sports Illustrated that wrote the article recently that documented how he was doing all the Navy SEAL training? Did you ever read yeah, that? Yeah, I, I didn't. I know, I know of it. I've read of it and heard of it. Yeah, it's sad, right? Like yeah. he had a dad who was a serial polygamist, and he had a right. dad who pushed him. And you know, there right. he is doing Navy SEAL training, trying to like appease the ghost of his father. And next thing you know, he blows out his knee, and then the next thing you know, he's a hundred and whatever in the world, right? I feel bad for Tiger Woods. That guy in that mugshot doesn't seem to have a lot left in the tank. This is my opinion of Tiger Woods. I think that he grew up uh, a little nerd. Yeah. He was a nerdy kid yeah. um, playing golf, you know, shy. And when I say nerd, I don't mean nerd like his nerds or jocks. Like, I just mean as far as his Introverted. Yeah, like. Dorky glasses. Remember the old glasses right, he ran? You're right. not getting any chicks as a kid with those. No, he, he, and that's the thing. I don't think he had any chicks. He had nothing except golf yeah. and his dad and his family, which is important. But I don't know that he, he brought it up. But all of a sudden. He literally explodes onto not just the golfing stage, but the world stage because of his color, because of his success. Uh, Nike, all just millions upon mil- billions of dollars this guy created for everybody. And he, when his father passed away, he didn't know how to handle that. And all of a sudden now he could do anything he wanted, you know, and, and without really any structure in his life, it completely fell, fell apart. And he doesn't have the skills. Now, most people wouldn't have the skills to handle that type of fame. But, you know, he was that, that kind of that, daddy's a little guy and his dad was always there but when his dad left he, he kind of fell apart and I, I actually feel bad for tiger woods you know the whole thing about the women you know i think that he was a guy that didn't kiss a girl till he was 21 maybe when he won the masters and then all of a sudden he just went on a rampage and i i and then but now i, I i'm worried for him because i see a guy who's kind of slipping off what what is you know he's he just isn't who he was he doesn't know who he is well he has no support network right so his right. dad's gone and he's not married and yeah. he's married to Perkins waitresses or whatever other right. nonsense. Is so going who is he? Life. Who is he in his own but mind? This is his whole issue, right? Like so, he was putting the comeback together. You've watched a little bit of the interviews with yeah. him in the comeback interview. Yeah. He doesn't have the same fire. He doesn't have the same. He knows he can't do what he used to do. Right. That's very, very sad because golf's a weird sport in that. I think a lot of guys like Commodore's talking about today, right? Like for 99% of people, you don't get cheered off the ice. You don't, but at least you can be done. And it's right. in a reasonable time frame. Right. Whereas golf, I mean, I saw John right. Daly the other day. Good Lord, I didn't realize Big John was still swinging the sticks. He won right. a senior event. Like, you can just keep going and going. So if you have personal life problems right. and you're living on the road and you're cheating on your wife or you're doing prescription medicine or whatever, you can hide that forever. Right. It's tough. He's he's in a tough spot. And I, I just, we'll see what happens. I mean, this will take a long time to work out, but Tiger Woods has a lot. He has, it's right. He has everything in the world. You think about it, he has, he has money, he has fame, he has everything. But he, I don't really, I think if you were honestly asked, I don't think he has any idea who he is. But if I, you know this better than most. Like you've, how many rich people have you seen that all of a sudden were like, yeah, I was really screwed up, but then I got millions of dollars and that straightened me mm-hmm. out. Like having millions and millions of dollars, yeah. I think in many instances past a certain point, make your problems worse. hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause People aren't your friends. They're your acquaintances. Exactly. And there's a big difference. And they want something you generally, right? right? That's kind of how my relationship is with you. I'm yeah. your acquaintance. Yeah, I want something from deal. you. Something a lot, actually. Well, I want something from you. Oh, That's sure. weird. Oh, no. Okay. One last thing I want to get into here. Talk about the mighty uh, NBA Finals. Do you got anything quick you want to say about uh, NBA Finals? Golden State against the mighty LeBron James and Cleveland Cavaliers. Why do they even have a regular season and the first rounds of the playoffs? Like This was... I could have told you. I don't know anything. I only know that the B and NBA stands for basketball. I could have told you this is going to be the NBA Finals. It's amazing. It's so exciting. Any yeah. predictions in that one? Oh, I go with LeBron, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm going with LeBron. I think that I think that Golden State wins it, but I want LeBron so badly to win. I love that guy. Oh yeah, 
I think he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Any final ideas as we go to uh, well, wrap so this nice one up to this be evening? Here, just hanging out, so no Gregor talking about all yeah. this nonsense. I'm looking at his mic here, and it looks like the front of the mic is corroded from right. like hundreds of years of sports radio talking and spitting on the mic. I'm assuming most of that's Gregor's spit. I fire very fired up. He gets very emotional, yeah. very fired up. So Gregor, best of luck passing your yeah. kidney stone. We're thinking of you. Thanks to our good friend, Mike Commodore. You can check him out on Twitter. He's a very funny guy. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get more of our uh, podcast, go to uh, apple.com slash iTunes podcast. You're going to find it. You can actually subscribe yeah. to our uh, podcast. I've done it for many podcasts, including ours, a bunch of cool ones, but it's very easy. It just pops up on your phone that pops way. Pops up on your phone. You Slides don't have to in find your DMs. It. Bing, there we are. Exactly. How you doing? So find it, uh, Real Life Podcast, in the uh, podcast in iTunes. That's it for us tonight. On behalf of my wingman, Across from me, uh, Wanya Gretz, of course, Mike Commodore, and myself. Thanks for listening this week. We'll talk to you again next week. And thanks to Mike Commodore. Have a good week, everybody. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.